Hello, everybody. This is Andrew with the Marshall Wisdom Podcast, and very excited you're here. Very happy for this episode because this episode is a very interesting topic that was brought up to me by one of my students, and he wanted to hear me do a podcast on how what I have found helpful in terms of dealing with a larger, heavier opponent. And it's a great question because when you're the smaller, lighter weight opponent, you're not as strong. You don't have a, as much weight behind you. You don't hit as hard. Uh, the other person is much stronger in grappling situations. It can be a bit intimidating. So you really have to learn ways to kind of finesse and troubleshoot around this sort of situation. It can be challenging. Uh, and this is one of the reasons why you actually should train with the right people, not people that aren't going to injure you constantly, but the right kind of people who are heavier than you so that you can learn these strategies and become comfortable with them. So I'll share with you guys some of the strategies that I've learned, the key elements that I found to be most helpful helpful in a pretty simple format, I think, and um, that they've they've essentially served me well, so hopefully they will you too. So the first thing is movement. Movement is so key um, because quite simply, if a person cannot hit you or get a hold of you, then they can't really do damage to you, now can they? And the one advantage you have going for you being a lighter and uh, smaller opponent is that you usually have more stamina and you usually can move quicker than the larger opponent. Now this isn't always necessarily the case, but typically you have less mass that you're having to move per movement. So if you think about that from a, a mathematical or statistical standpoint, you should be able to move more easily than this person can. And um, that's what you should take advantage of. So footwork is key. You need to work on your footwork. There's many different stances, and I'm not real big on a person adopting simply one stance of fighting. I'm very big on a person being fluid, being like water, like Bruce Lee said. Uh, you move in and out of stances. You mix and blend them together. I just want you to constantly be moving, quite frankly. If I have learned one thing, it's with movement. If the opponent's larger than me and they can deliver a much harder shot than me or when they get a hold of me, I have the disadvantage in terms of strength. I want to constantly be moving. Another thing in regards to this movement is center of mass theory. Really, the major balance and power an individual can throw on you in terms of striking or even grappling in terms of the clinch or throwing or takedowns comes from center of mass or the, the appropriate balance, really. So... One of the ways of kind of taking advantage of this is to be constantly moving in such a way that you can deliver your own shots at the right times, but you're making your larger opponent actually have to move off of their center of mass. And it this gets a little complex and it takes some time to deal with, but you're going to learn if you train enough with a larger opponent, you can learn how to actually when to go in and strike them when they're having to move a certain way and their center of mass or balance is compromised. That's the most ideal time to strike because you're negating a lot of where their strength comes from, which is their center of mass or their balance. 
So learn to use your footwork to kind of draw people in or draw them off balance. And that's when you strike, right when they're half step or so to speak, when they're in a mode where they're not as well balanced. Bruce Lee used to do this very well. A lot of, a lot of people said about him. And uh, you can actually see it in some of the footage that he has where he did sparring matches with other black belts. Uh, one of the interesting things Bruce would do was sometimes, he, a lot of times he would kind of come step back or sort of retreat from an opponent, you know, based upon some of these videos I've seen. And, but he would do it in such a way, not only to get away from maybe a strike that was coming at him or a flurry of strikes, but also he simply was thinking ahead and he was actually setting up his opponent. And he would launch this counterattack at the most at the strangest time that would just knock them off balance uh, quite frankly easily so that's one of the keys is being able to move use your movement to your advantage and learn to counter strike an opponent and even um, bait them into you so to speak so next comes with striking what are some of the tips that I have on striking well probably the number one tip or the strategy that I've felt is most successful in adopting it excuse me, is having a more loose and kind of recoiled way of striking. Um, don't be as stiff. Don't go for power shots. Uh, I think one of the worst mistakes a person can make is if they're smaller and they're not as strong as somebody else that is attacking them, whatever it is, that they try to go power for power with that individual. That is a recipe for getting knocked out yourself or getting injured, even if you survive the fight. Quite frankly, I think you should be use your speed to your advantage. Um, I'm not saying in all instances, but in most instances, you have less mass to move, and you probably are the, the faster striker in many instances, if you're the smaller fighter and the less heavy fighter. And so use this to your advantage. Don't do these wild, cranked back major power shots use these loose recoil like a almost like a whip cracking shots um i know they produce less damage but they're much faster and you really need to use your speed to advantage use the things to your advantage don't meet the person in their own strength zone at all um so with these strikes be more relaxed with your strikes let them out uh whatever your equivalent of a jab is in your art use that Use the ones that are less, that require less energy, but at the same time, you can just whip it out there very quickly and try to sting your opponent. And if you had to target somebody in real life that was attacking you, you want to attack the vulnerable points with these strikes, like the nose or the eye, that sort of thing, the lip, all those sensitive little areas you can attack. Now, also, you're less telegraphic when you do this. That's one of the beauties of it is these shots can seemingly strike from anywhere and they really don't telegraph which is a beauty of it it makes it even faster appearing the next thing too is use your body behind those strikes i don't want you to wind up into anything but i want you to use your center of mass where does all your power come from really it comes from the ground and your spine so this is kind of one of those wind chung theories i know there's a lot of wind chung out there where they're using a very traditional method and they're not quite getting it right and they're versing modern fighters and they just end up doing horrible. So a lot of people trash Wing Chun. But one of the theories of Wing Chun is this economy of motion and actually 
um, putting your body behind a strike. So if at that last minute you can actually put your skeleton behind a strike, that's going to add a lot more strength to it as opposed to just simply this winding up of your arm, so to speak. Um, you deliver your base, you sort of ground yourself at the last minute in that strike. So the next very important tip with striking is use your legs. Again, we talk about center of ba mass or balance of the opponent. If you take away a big person's legs, you take away so much of their ability to have an advantage over you, so much of their strength. And quite frankly, there's a lot more weight on those legs. Now, you need to be extremely careful with this one, with your training partners. Um, you should honestly do it very light, and you should just try to tap it. I mean, you you see these videos online of people that do it too hard on accident, they end up just dislocating their opponent's knee. I mean, this is, uh, this is stuff that's purely I'm teaching for self-defense, and you can practice with your training partners, but you need to be very careful. You don't want to injure your training partners. That's stupid. Um, even from a selfish standpoint, then you have nobody to train with. Um, there's no point in improving yourself, having some ego with this. Just If you can successfully get your leg out and touch a person's leg with your speed and just do it very lightly, then you're fast enough to deliver these shots hard. Trust me. So get used to that. Get used to the coordination. Get used to using those legs. And that makes it up even more and makes it much harder for a larger opponent. You can you, you go from high to low. Use that pendulum. You strike high, strike high. You land the shot. They're thinking high. And when you faint high, you go low. And vice versa. So work on targeting those legs. It's such an important part of dealing with a larger, heavier opponent. So next comes to the more complicated aspects in terms of grappling or clinching. So the first, let's talk about standing clinch. So clinching in the standing, standing grappling, wrestling, however you may, judo, however you may think of this. First things first is if you have a larger opponent who knows how to throw, we were dealing with this last week. You've got to be very careful with that. You need to understand how throws, the inertia, the energy, and how a throw is actually accomplished and how you can successfully defend it. Now, one of the simplest concepts of defending a throw is you loosen your body, you ragdoll your body, and you sink to the earth, as strange as this sounds. The second you feel them grabbing you to throw you, you need to immediately sink lower, try to get your hips and knees lower than theirs, and you need to get become like a rag doll. Now, why do I say this? Because, quite honestly, the more that a person resists a person who knows how to throw, the harder and more the harder they can actually throw them in terms of actual velocity, uh, but the easier it is to throw somebody. So if I have somebody that, as I'm bringing them over for a hip toss, starts clenching their muscles and pulling me to them and them to me that's all I need I just need to bring them over my hip and they've already done half of the strength required they pulled themselves over my hip I hope that makes sense it's kind of a complicated concept but if you if you start doing throws more and you have to be very careful with that you'll understand that the more relaxed the person is and the lower a person can get when you're starting to throw them the harder it is to throw them, and if they get low enough and are relaxed enough, it's actually impossible to throw them. So I, I call it a just a ragdoll. Become a ragdoll and get super low. 
We're talking really low. And I'm talking on a traditional, um, you know, head and arm throw, hip toss type throw. You need to get super low on your opponent, very low, um, and become like a ragdoll, kind of conform to their body as opposed to becoming this, um, becoming something that's fighting against them, so to speak, and becoming muscle bound. That just makes it a whole lot easier for them to throw you. Uh, but you need to start developing the ability to sense a throw coming and ingrain this into yourself how to deal with the throw. Because the throw is a very dangerous thing, especially in real life when you have somebody trying to hurt you with it. They could kill you with that throw. Um, next is with sprawls. So this is one where you have this smaller sort of wrestler and they're, they go in for a single or double leg shot. This actually happened to me this week. Went in for it. Didn't think I would make it, but I tried doing it because I, I don't know why I even attempted it, but person, maybe about 6'4", 220, very big individual, much larger than me, sprawled successfully, beautiful sprawl. So what did I do? Rather than fighting it and trying to grab that leg and keep opposing them and then putting a bunch of stress on my back and neck and me wasting a lot of energy for a failed throw, or them putting me in a guillotine or a Japanese or Peruvian necktie, whatever it may be, I ended up um, conforming my body to theirs, grabbing basically an inverted wizard. So wrapping his arms were around me. So I wrapped my arm around his one arm and then locked it in with a essentially a figure four. And then I rolled myself. And guess what? He was so tight to me, he rolled right over. So then I was then on top with my back facing him. I put the pressure on and I was able to turn around on him and then I gained top advantage. But this is one of the most important lessons I've ever learned in terms of wrestling. Wrestling is a wonderful art, but sometimes with wrestling, I believe there's too much strength involved. So when I started learning the principles of jiu-jitsu and judo and using momentum and inertia to my advantage and I could mix that with the wrestling... In my opinion, it became that much more effective uh, for me personally because I wasn't wasting so much energy and I was actually way more energy efficient. So when you can, use ener energy and momentum on your to your advantage. And this is one example of it. Um, so if you fail to, make that sh to do that takedown, don't keep trying the takedown. Or if you try the takedown, you need to do a sideways bailout to where you're like scooping up the leg and going sideways as opposed to being north and south on this individual because they're just going to drain you of your energy. They're a lot heavier than you and stronger than you. Now, finally, when it comes to grappling on the ground, so actual ground fighting, this is where Brazilian jiu-jitsu, quite honestly, is the probably the art I use the most principles and concepts from and techniques. You need to understand momentum. You need to understand control. You need to understand sweeps. You need to understand sweeps so that if you're put on the bottom by this larger person, that you are then able to successfully get them off of you and reverse them, but without expending too much energy. You also need to understand this in terms of their controls and how they might be bullying you. If you don't understand this, you're going to waste so much energy with them on top of you and they're going to be using that energy and that weight to their advantage they're going to be trying to basically make you belly breathe and pressing their weight upon your diaphragm um, they might be trying chokes at the same time or, or even covering your mouth 
all these terrible things to just make your life miserable on the bottom. So you need to learn how to properly frame yourself, how to properly get on your side or in whatever position you need to in order to expand your thoracic cavity, basically to breathe first and foremost. And then you also need to learn controls and how to essentially get to that full guard whenever possible. It's one of the best positions you could ever be in on the bottom. Get to full guard and learn to fight from your guard. Because any other position, basically, with these large people on top of you that are much heavier than you, they're going to be compromising your breathing and they're going to be sapping your strength. So the first things first is learn a way, figure out a way to get to full guard. From full guard, you can stall all you want if you're really good at it. You can stall all you want. You can follow this midline principle I have where you can... Basically, if you can get that arm beyond their midline and pull over across them, you can pull yourself into them and them into you. And it may, they basically have one arm at that point versus your two. So you've negated a lot of their strength. And you can, really, you can very easily sleep, sweep them at that point. But you need to understand these concepts of this. And, and quite frankly, you need to just roll with people more and more um, to do it. Uh, and that's really my recap. Those are really the key, most practical things that I've taken from, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm about six foot one and maybe 165 pounds. So I'm taller and I'm leaner. I'm not a very big individual. I, I'm a little bit on the taller side, but I, I deal with a lot of people who are much heavier than me and much stronger, quite frankly. You know, I'm not the strongest person by any means whatsoever. If anything, I average strength, maybe, if I'm lucky. Um, so I have to incorporate, I have to utilize my speed, momentum, and first and foremost, my brain, my intelligence, and my techniques just to defend myself properly, especially against larger opponents. And I'm very thankful for all the larger opponents that are very good, that have put me through hell, quite frankly. <laughs> you know, putting me in bad positions frequently, um, and, and that's one of the greatest things. If you have a position where you're really struggling with, have that big opponent put you in it and make your life miserable in it and have them do it over and over and over and over and over until you learn to become comfortable in that situation and get out of it. That is one of the best things that person can do for you and the, one of the best things you can do for yourself if you become comfortable in these terrible situations, these terrible positions. And also understand your hierarchy of positions. That's a big thing, I think, with students. Until they fully understand the hierarchy of those ground-fighting positions and where what is most advantageous and what is least advantageous, um, you won't really have a, a, a little ground compass of where you want to go. But quite frankly, you want to get to full guard if you're on bottom. By any means necessary, you want to get to full guard, especially if your opponent's bigger than you. Because you, not only can you set it, it's the, it's the best situation to set up a energy efficient sweep. So that's essentially my episode. First, you need to start working on your movement as a recap, your striking, your clinching, clinching and grappling techniques from the standing position, and the ground fighting techniques I went over here. I know these principles they might be a little complex, so just go back and listen to the episode. But this was a really fantastic question by one of my students. And hopefully this is helpful and you can put this into use. And uh, go ahead and email me and text me with any other episodes you guys want to hear. Have a great day. Bye.